0: ATV Talk, the podcast, presents Inspired. Sit down with your host, Leonard Duncan, as he interviews men and women whose stories are so inspirational that they need to be shared. Hopefully, their stories may inspire you and create a change. Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. Kristen Powell, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Hey, thanks for sitting down with ATV Talk. We really appreciate it. I understand that uh, you're a busy, pretty busy young man, and you got a lot going on. And and I'm glad that you decided to sit down and have a have a talk with us.
1: Yeah, I'm super glad I got the opportunity to sit down and talk to you and kind of go over with what I think and what my goals are and all that sorts of stuff.
0: Uh, the, the phone conversation we had, you you impressed me quite a bit, and I just knew that. I felt you had a good story and I think that uh, the listeners are going to enjoy it and um, understand what it takes to be a a real good young man, you know, and you have a bright future. And I think that you've picked a very admirable, I can't even talk, sorry, man, admirable um, goal in life. And uh, I hope you reach it and I'm going to watch and... uh, And make sure that I do. But before we get into that, I really want to get into you're kind of new into the ATV world, but you've been riding your whole life. And I want to hear about that, you know, how you got started at a young age and and what machines did you start
1: riding? All right. So I got my first quad, I believe, when I was my second birthday. It was some off-brand quad and I had two. I blew both of them up. A couple years later, my sister got a player's 90. And so I started riding that all the time. And we always went to the dunes. And we were at the dunes a whole lot. And that's where I basically always rode. And then after that, I was on that for a while. And then I got a Yamaha Yamaha Warrior 350 and then rode that for a couple of years. And then one of my good friends, he was like, dude, you need to come do the works race. And I was like, All right, I'll think about it. And I was in last race in 2018 in Prim, and we're a Sport 15 to 29 C and ended up getting third off the start and led two laps, ended up getting third. So after that race, I was like, I gotta come back, I gotta come back. So the following year, I committed to the whole season, but racing my stepdad's built Tier X 450. And first race was in-prim again. And I got whole shot and battled with first the whole race and ended up getting second. And then I was like, yep, I gotta do it. And right there I was like, this is what I wanna do. And then Sunday I raised production C and same thing. And that weekend was opened my eyes and I was like, this is what I want to work towards. This is what I want to do. And here I am.
0: That's pretty awesome. You know, so you, you, you had a pretty awesome start to your racing career. Um, it, what is your view and opinion if, if, if from a new perspective of works racing and, and racing in general?
1: Yeah, I think I definitely see the, progress and even the last couple years with just works the new owners the new owners definitely made it a lot better the tracks are funner the new owners are super cool the tracks are always different and even like this year we have new tracks we're going to and i'm super excited
0: yeah we've been going to some of those tracks for years and years (laughs) yeah most of the most of the veterans still are going to the same places. Um, uh, I hope they go back up north into Washington and Oregon. I, I was I'm yeah. doing that. Um, so you're pretty excited. You're pretty pumped about it. Um, you, you're working on your program and learning the ins and outs of of maintenance and developing uh, sponsors so that long term relationships
1: yeah um i'm last last year i put in for a few sponsors kind of just tossing around the idea i was like eh, no i'm not i don't think i'm really gonna get anywhere because my first year my first race and my very first sponsor i signed with was blood lubricants and then after that i was like well let's try a little bit more because they're already a huge help and with the maintenance and just the silly stuff that comes with racing and then, after that, I put in for O'Neill and a couple others, and then towards the end of the year, I was like, "Well, I need tires, I need this, I need that, and so the list started growing, and then blood he became a pretty close basically friend, and he's been super close, super good to me, and yeah, sponsors. I don't like to think of sponsors. I like to think of partnerships and long-term.
0: Well, I believe we had a little bit of the conversation about this. You know, you're you're entering a business proposition. Basically, when you become sponsored, you now basically work for that company. And it's your job to sell their product. And, And how you pay them back is by promoting them in a positive fashion, on and off the track, Whether you're at school, whether you're walking down the street, it doesn't matter. You are representing that company 724. And a lot of people don't realize the value in a positive young man or young woman that their impact on society means more than you winning the race. If everybody loves you in the in the pits. They're going to, they're going to look at what you're doing. They're going to look at what you're buying and they're going to have an, an opportunity to uh, befriend you. And they're probably going to buy some of those products.
1: Yeah. And I've, I've definitely noticed that it races. I'm always usually hanging out with the little kids messing around, but even on the track, if, someone's wrecked or something like that no matter if i'm winning no matter if i'm on last i'm gonna stop to make sure they're all right and if i can't i'm gonna find a track worker and get them the help they need because okay. i go ahead personally i'd rather put them first than me first because at the end of the day it's just a race i'd rather choose safety before winning a race
0: I get it. Uh, you know, and, and, and when you're not racing for the, for the almighty dollar and you're racing for a trophy, uh, I believe that that is, uh, is admirable and, and you should do that. And we kind of try to teach that in, in all forms of racing, uh, the pro guys, you know, when they're racing for money and feeding their families that way you have a little bit less of it. Uh, occasionally you'll see a pro give up a race for someone but for the most part, it's mostly your amateur guys that do that. Um, and, and I still think it's, it's awesome. I've seen some pros get, throw races in the desert away because there was somebody injured or down and they needed to. There was nobody there. There's nobody else. So they were the only ones and they knew it. You know, and, and your next closest person to come may be 15, 20 minutes away. So you can't leave that person by themselves that long. So that, that's a really good way to look at it. You are racing for fun at this level. And um, I really enjoyed our conversation based on some of the things that you told me, and the directions that you were heading in your life. And I want you to elaborate on that um, because I think it's important to focus on being grounded in school, and getting a good education and moving yourself forward. And I'm gonna let you start telling me and the listeners how you fit in good grades with your racing.
1: Yeah, so four years ago, I was having trouble in private public school and just the teachers weren't there really helping me that I needed help with. And I found this online school, and it's called Odyssey. You only go to school one day a week, so with racing and everything else I do, it helps out a ton. The t- teachers are super cool; they understand racing, they understand everything else I have going on, and pu- help me push for my goals. And they're—that's probably been the biggest, biggest—not really problem but one of the one of the bigger issues when you're racing trying to find that time for school and that sort.
0: Well you gotta go to, you gotta get good grades in school because I know that if I'm sponsoring a young man or a young woman and their grades are down, their sponsorship's down. And yeah uh, most parents are like Thank you. You know, we appreciate the, the help there. Uh, you know, I, I, more than once we've had to sideline somebody for, for schooling and, um, it, it's not fun, but your education is more important than that race. That race will be there the next time. Oh yeah. So uh, a little bit of background here. You do some things on the side that uh, most young men and women uh, don't know anything about. And I'd, I'd like you to, to, to tell, that, uh, tell me about that or tell us about that in your words, because I know that I can't explain it this, as good as you can.
1: Yeah. So as most people don't know, I am a part of the Explorer program and I plan to follow my dad's footsteps and that's being a cop when I turn 21. Um, explore programs, a little rundown is basically for people 14 to 21, wanting a foot in the door for law enforcement. So like right now we have, we have meetings twice a month, a couple hours. We go over basic training that a cop basically would do, but on the other side of the meetings, we, we're allowed to do ride alongs. We're allowed to do a lot of things that an average teenager wouldn't do or wouldn't even think about doing because on a ride along, like we get issued our own uniform. We have handcuffs. We have everything a cop basically has besides pepper spray, a gun, and a taser. And on the ride along,
0: keeping all the cool stuff from you. Yeah, I know.
1: (laughs) On a ride along, I talk on the radio i uh, go in on calls make face-to-face contact with possible suspects i've even been on live media a couple times i've been on cops a couple times so it, it's a blast and i definitely see myself taking it up when i turn 21 and being a cop
0: what's the scariest thing that you've ever been through
1: <sighs> the scariest thing i've ever been through I wouldn't say it, it's really scary. it's my first my first foot pursuit that was that was a big adrenaline dump that's that definitely was like okay, like this is what I want to do, this is what I live for and it was it was definitely an unexplainable feeling for sure so
0: did you catch him?
1: yeah, we got him he only he only. Got maybe 15 feet away from us? Well, that's not very far of a foot pursuit. No. no.
0: So, in, in, how often have you uh, gotten to go on ride alongs? And is there a, a, like a school that you go to that's, you know, I said you, I know you said you went to meetings, but is there a, a specific type of uh, extra training like, like ROTC for the military?
1: So, I had to take a ride-along test that basically runs through scenarios. And then, like, the big thing we have to learn is something called phonetic alphabet. It's instead of saying A, you say Adam over the radio just for clarity. And then, like, you go, you do scenarios like traffic stops and stuff at meetings. And it basically depends on if the advisors feel comfortable with you doing it because before I started racing, I was doing ride alongs three times a week, two times a week at night or day. It basically, it all depends on how dedicated you are and how much time and effort and how much you study. And then if you do those, the advisors are going to be super cool and let you go to ride alongs, let you do the cool stuff.
0: So uh, you're uh,
1: 18 now? um, I'll be 18 in February.
0: Okay, so you still are a few years away.
1: Yeah, I am, call it four years away, but when I turn 18, I plan on applying for dispatch at the same agency I plan on working for and currently an explorer for. Just another foot in the door and help me get towards my goals.
0: Do you have to have a college degree of any kind to be an officer?
1: So as of now, I believe you don't. You just have to have a high school diploma, obviously. But going to college for like a business degree or something like that definitely helps out.
0: So isn't there a uh, like any type of uh, law enforcement classes that you could take that would, uh, that might give you a bachelor's degree or something like that so that you could have a leg up on having some insight into the law.
1: So I don't really know as far as that goes, but most people, there's a few guys I know that have taken the business degree and it, it really didn't do much besides obviously boost their pay. But now since I've already been an explorer for four years and I still have another call it three years to go. So what they do for those seven years is it's points towards the final test I take to be a cop. Mm -hmm. And then if I do do dispatch when I turn 18, those three years will go towards my PERS when I be a cop.
0: So that helps you with a higher pay scale or that
1: helps that, you get. That helps me better pay. Um, it'll go towards, I believe it might go towards my retirement. And then like the test, one of the tests in the academy for being a cop is all the certifications you need for the radio and all the software stuff. And so with being a dispatcher previous, that'll help, that'll help a ton.
0: Well, that's outstanding. I'm pretty impressed uh, just listening to you. Um, most children or most young men, most young women aren't dedicated to where they wanna be in life at your age and it's, it's pretty inspiring. Uh, me, I was born into what I do. I've never wanted to do anything else, and I never have. Uh, I mean, I built houses for a couple of years, but I was still racing ATVs while I was doing that. So I was basically still in the same industry. But I'm I'm really impressed with the fact that you see an opportunity in law enforcement and. I think that is pretty admirable, and i'm I'm very proud that that you have taken that and, uh, and that's why I'm have you on the on the show, and that's why i'm I'm talking to you is because you made such an impact in our first phone conversation um also there is responsibility that comes with that um you need to stay focused a on your life and straight and narrow. Uh, and I see that how does the racing distract from you keeping your goals and keeping your focus for law enforcement
1: so that was that was one of my worries when I first started racing but after I say the first six months of racing and the explorer program and stuff like that our meetings are every other week and I brought up to the advisors like hey can we do like the like let's say we do first and third meeting of the month can we maybe do it like second and fourth and then race in between there so i could still attend both and still train for both because training because i was already training for the explorer program but then i also started racing so between the two it it makes makes it easy but it definitely gets challenging sometimes when Racing's like, hey, I need you to do this, but explorer stuff is like, hey, I need you over here, but at some point, I, I find the balance between the two, and if racing need some more attention, I'll give it some more, and then if, let's say, Explorers need some more attention and stuff like that, then got to do what's right.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're if you going to make it your career, you need to focus and obviously you're going to make, make way more money being a police officer than you ever will uh, being uh, an ATV racer, unless something changes here in the next few years, which I don't see it coming. But I'm, we can all hope, right? Yeah, um, no, we can. Let me ask you this. being's the climate that we're in in our society now. Do, does that deter you in any way, um, or are you worried about it? I mean, have your advisors helped with with answering some of your questions? Because I know you
1: have to have some. So, yeah, it it's definitely got me thinking a little bit. But after after talking to my dad and after talking to some of the advisors. Personally, I don't see it being that big of an issue because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And if times are going to be rough, times are going to be rough type thing. So I don't think it tears me apart from wanting to continue in the law enforcement. So I don't, as of now, I'm, I'm still going to push and continue my goals for being a law enforcement officer.
0: Have you ever thought of going military towards uh, law enforcement or law enforcement in the military, and then transferring into military in the the civilian life?
1: So yeah, I I thought about joining the military, maybe to be a military officer or something like that. But the way things are right now with contracts for being a cop and how long you have to be on and all that, personally, I'd rather jump into it right when I turn 21 especially with all my explorer time and hopefully dispatch time that way when I turn 21 it'll put me in a spot for the academy and get it started right away instead of waiting maybe five to ten years to be a cop that way I'm fresh and have all the training and all those certifications I'll need.
0: How do your parents feel about, uh, I know that you have a, a stepdad and, and your pops and your mom, uh, how do they all mesh together with you becoming a police officer?
1: So my my dad and I have had many talks about it. He's like, no, like, go be a fireman, go be a medic, go do something else. I was like, no, like, this is what I want to do. You got me into it. I'm going to do it. And then my mom and stepdad, there they 're for it, but you can definitely tell my mom's my mom's kind of nervous for it, but my stepdad his dad is a retired top two, and so he gets it i 've talked to his dad multiple times about it, and they're they're for it, but they definitely have their worries, especially not in today 's society
0: right I totally understand that as a parent, my son uh signed up for the army and the, during the height of um Afghanistan and and Iraq and um I was a pretty nervous nervous dad there for a little while unfortunately my son was injured in boot camp and never was able to deploy um he was never able to continue his military career either um so it was a it was a sad day for him and i mean it was sad for me too but m- more more relief uh, you know and and I am a huge military fan um, I believe in uh our brothers and sisters in the military, and i i anything I can do to help them i try to um, it, it, you know when I have good friends that are in the military so uh, i i i i don 't like to to admit that I was scared for my son, but you know I believe that sacrificing yourself for your country or giving your your all for your country there's there 's no greater there's no greater sacrifice and, and these men and women need to be taken care of. And, and uh, same with law enforcement. I mean, firefighters, law enforcement, uh, some of the lines in the, in the hospitals, you know, you're putting yourself out there in harm's way for society. And, and that, there's a lot to be said for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very impressed with you at such a young age grasping onto that and understanding uh, that that's what you're doing.
1: Yeah, there's, there's been some times to where even being an explorer now, it's like, do I really want to do this? Like, do I really want to continue being an explorer? Because I believe six months ago now, one of the, one of the guys I always used to ride with and super close with, and I was doing ride alongs with him every week last summer. And six months ago, he was shot on a call four or five times. And he survived it, but that, that definitely opened my eyes, and I was like, but do, do I really want to do this? And I'd hate to, i hate to bow down to, no, well, I'm scared. I don't really want to do it. I'd rather be out there and put me in front of that than having one of the civilians and, or someone like that get in that way and get hurt in front of their family or something like that.
0: Can I ask you a question about him? Yeah. Did he, did he stay on the job, or did it retire him?
1: So I don't know as far as like what he's going to do, what he's planning on doing, but he's, he's, he's recovering. I'm not sure if he'll be able to go back to work full time and back to the streets, back to what he was doing before. But I definitely think he'll stay within the sheriff's office for sure.
0: Well, that's good. Make sure you shake his hand for me and tell him thank you very much. I will appreciate what he does and what you guys do. And, and, um, let's talk a little ATVs. Okay. We've been, we, we've got heavy into the, into the focus of your life. And, and I really uh, appreciate that. Um, who's your favorite rider?
1: My favorite rider is probably going to have to be Bo.
0: <laughs> I kind of seen that one coming.
1: Yeah. Have
0: you spent much time talking with him?
1: I've talked. I talked to him a couple times at a couple different races. It in Lake Havasu's race last year, I had to get talked to him to borrow an axle, and he saved my butt that weekend. So after that, I I definitely had a new mindset for him, and really thankful for him at that point.
0: Well, don't ever be afraid to reach out to the pros. And ask for guidance and assistance because these guys, most of them have, Bo's been around longer than most, Mike Sloan's been around an awful long time Um, he's spent a number of years as an amateur he had a very long career in the amateur class because he started so young Um, and and he's a a seasoned veteran he's been around Um, Spooner's been around a long time some of the other guys have been are new, but some of them have been around. Um, so make sure you reach out and talk to all of them. They all have tuning tuning tips as far as how to tune yourself, um, your mind, your body, and get yourself in, in physical condition for these things. So make sure you reach out to these pros. Um, most of them, I, I can't think of any of them that would turn you away.
1: Yeah, I've talked to. I think I've talked to all of them at least once. It- or at least like good luck type thing before the race or I've talked to Logan Huff for a while, just about, of course, flex bars and all that sorts of stuff. And then I've talked to Mike Sloan about, about desert a few times, just questions and stuff. And then, yeah, same thing with, same thing with spoon. I've talked to him a few times and they're all, they're all super cool dudes and I have a ton of respect for all of them
0: well, they're all pretty fast and they all, uh, they all do their thing. And this is their, their trade. I mean, Logan's been around a while. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't put a number one on his bike yet for in the pro class, but, um, if he holds his cards and, and, and plays them right and, and works on his game, he'll do pretty good. Uh, Travis Damon, he's a motorcycle, motorcycle crossover, kind of like Bo kind of like Dustin Nelson. Um, make sure you spend some time with him because I, I don't know. Do you do any dirt bike training?
1: No, I've I've thought about it, but knowing my luck, <laughs> I'd get hurt on a dirt bike. So <laughs> I'm kind of kind of stuck to just hitting sand tracks and stuff on the quads most of the time, and just getting seat time is what counts.
0: Yep. There's no substitute for it at this at this point in time in your career. Riding is is almost your best option. You know, make sure you um, set yourself up some skill tests while you're riding. That'll help develop you. Um, you know, <laughs> turns, whoops, jumps. You know, you don't have to jump nine million miles. You just have to make sure that your body position is correct. You may have to make sure your corner speeds up in and out. And, and those are things that you can uh, set yourself up some skill tests and make sure that you're, you're working, get your dad out there, get your mom out there, your stepdad, your sister, and, or you, you know, if you have a girlfriend or whatever, and, and have them, you know, time you through the turns, build some S's so that you can flat turn, so you can berm turn, you, you know, build some ruts, whatever you got to do to, to get your skill level up. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I've, I've actually made myself a sand track a few weeks ago and it has everything, rocks, sand, turns, jumps, whoops, basically everything because I live right on the outside of town and so backyard's my desert and so if I wanted to, I could go right out my driveway and I'll be in the desert. Nice. So that definitely helps out but I definitely wish there was more motocross tracks around that let quads because I definitely would feel a ton better if I was actually able to ride a motocross track.
0: You should, you should look into traveling, do some motocross races and doing uh, some motocross training. It will only make your off-road training faster and better. It'll also make, if you ever decide to go race desert, it'll make that better because motocross racers attack the bumps. Desert racers generally let the bumps you know, roll they roll over them. Mm-hmm. Not taking anything away from some of the fast guys, you know, Wayne Manlock couldn't ride a motocross track very well, but dude, the guy could fly in the desert. So, the, telling you, me, telling you that the skill set isn't there, the skill set is there. Uh, that guy is phenomenal. Um, you know, Danny was more of a desert guy, not as much as a motocross guy. And then there's Doug Eichner who came from the motocross side and rolled into the off road and the and the in the desert and was pretty phenomenal himself. So you have a wide range, Bo Barron, fast motocross guy, really good in the desert as well. Same with Sloan.
1: Yeah, there's, I definitely think that my whole mindset going like starting to race works was I want to do works for a few years, but my main end goal is to start racing desert and I actually had that opportunity this year, but some things happened. My first big injury. So that kind of, that kind of set things back, but now I'm getting into the grind of things and pushing and wanting to go race desert now again. And next year, I hope to race a few best in the desert races and go from there.
0: It a lot of fun. I think you'll really enjoy it. You matter you got to stay focused. Um, your training is a lot different. Um, your bike setup is massively important. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely people you should reach out to to help you uh, make sure you get the directions that you need. Um, there's a handful or more racers and, and specialists that can, Get you going in the right direction. Um, please don't hesitate to reach out to these people because I know from my experience in the in the industry, just taking the time to take that phone call for an up and comer m- makes a difference. Because one day you may not be that up and comer. It may be your story. You may be the guy, the champion that we're sitting here talking to, and and you're giving me some advice.
1: Yeah, I I'm definitely. I've definitely thought about a few people and contacted a few people getting their side of things on how I should train. If I should train my training a little bit, like I talked to you the first time we talked and kind of talked to you about what my goals and stuff are training wise. And I definitely thought about it. I'm definitely going to make some changes and kind of focus on some more, some things more than others that I think personally need more attention. So,
0: well, you have to control your body. You know more about what your body needs than I do. Uh, the, the thing that you can never take away from is rest. You have to rest. You have to make sure you build that time in. Um, you make sure you, your mind has a time chance to rest, develop yourself. I come from a, a time when it was head down ass up, work, 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 push, 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 push. And we didn't, we didn't rest right. We didn't do, we didn't train right. We worked our asses off all the time. And then you go out and ride hard and, and do your thing. It, you have a golden opportunity with the facilities that you have in, in your grasp and the people that you can contact about training, about your body the the medical profession or the medical industry is amazing nowadays you know there's things that they can do for you now that they couldn't do for me when I was your age
1: yeah I've definitely I've definitely uh thankful for the whole medical crew that's for sure especially like silly little injuries here and there and then like even when it comes to training like I've talked to a few doctors and stuff about like some exercises or something and kind of getting their opinion on, well, is it really worth it? Or is it going to hurt later in life? And they've, they've been a huge help in that sort of type thing with training and even silly injuries, like I said.
0: Well, if we're worried about later on in life, I think your career choice might be a little rough and your hobby choice is a little rough because (laughs) your body's going to suffer a little. I'm just letting you know. Oh yeah. And you, You it doesn't hurt yet. Just wait till you get my age. That that's true. Um, so we, I asked you who your favorite writer is. Um, when when you race the works i know you don't have that much experience yet but you've been around a little bit what's your favorite course
1: my favorite course is going to have to be mesquite um, last year last year was a blast i don't know if it's just because i ride in the desert and I'm most comfortable in the desert because i feel like that race is more what i train in and this year I didn't get a chance to race it because I was out because I was hurt, but yeah, the going to have to be be number one for sure.
0: That's a nice place. I won a championship there, so, or I clinched a championship there, um, it, as a mechanic and as a rider, so it has a special place for me. And I saw one of the greatest race comebacks of, of my life. Uh, I got to watch Josh Fredericks go into the pits on the first lap with a bike in default mode and come back, you know, from a couple minutes behind the the pack to winning the race and just destroying the field. It was, it was incredible. Incredible. I mean, if you ever get a chance to sit down and talk with that guy, you need to, because he is, he is one of your fiercest competitors and was just phenomenal guy.
1: Yeah, I've heard have heard a lot of great things about him when my uncle used to race side by sides for works years ago. I went to one of the races in Cali and Josh Frederick was sitting there and my uncle was talking to him and then Josh started talking to me a little bit and he was like he even is like dude like start racing now. It'll make things 100 times better and if you want come train with me, come ride the track, come like come hang out with me. So after that, I was like, dang, like he's super cool.
0: Yeah, he, he is. And he's and and you want to talk some training methods. You want to talk about a guy that that gave his all and and really, I think on the West Coast was one of the leaders in taking the training to the next level.
1: Yeah. I I definitely see it, especially from him hearing how he trains and how he rides between races and stuff like that. I, yeah, is he's a cool dude for sure.
0: Wow. Yeah. Dustin Nelson's another guy that you can reach out to. Uh, he's still trains even though his racing career's over. Same with Josh. They're basically their racing careers are over, but uh, in quads or motorcycles, but, um, Dustin still rides. Uh, unfortunately, Josh, uh, is only driving the UTV. Um, so make sure that you reach out to these people. You have a lot of homework to do and a lot of catch-up to do in, in, in racing. And um, I think you're doing an outstanding job so far. Um, when you get into riding, you've ridden a TRX 450R. I've seen some of your photos. Have you tried any of the other machines, maybe the Yamaha, or have you ridden a Can-Am or a Kawasaki?
1: I've rode... Um, a Yamaha 451s and I I don't know if it's just because I was comfortable on it or what but I just I am not a fan okay elaborate the, the Honda definitely I don't know what it is but Hondas I love the way they sit I love the way they feel and I love how there's not a million electrical issues or Electrical things that can go wrong, unlike the newer Yamahas and stuff like that. Especially nowadays, they're full of technology and electrical parts that have the opportunity to go out.
0: Brother, it's all heading that way, so I would get used to it. You know, because as the older your Honda gets, the newer the Yamahas are, and and you may end up going that route because that may be the only thing that's there
1: yeah i I was thinking about it the other day i was like dang like i might have to switch because hondas aren't going to be there for forever
0: no i mean you got to figure the 405 it's already pretty old and 2014 was the last year they made the 06 up model
1: yeah yeah, I, my Honda, I definitely, that between like the knowledge that like, for example, like Pro has and like everyone that runs a Honda, most of the parts are interchangeable. So like perfect example, when the sprocket hub broke at the Havasu race, I was able to go talk to Bo about it and use his axle, but later find out that we had a spare one with one of our friends so like stuff like that is why like I love riding the Honda especially like works because there's a lot of people that ride one, and with everyone at the works races they're all super cool and willing to help out like I said especially like people like Bo and stuff like that.
0: Well, that's a big fan. You'll find the faster you get, the longer you've been around, the more people you know, you'll be able to reach into that bag of people that you know, and are there's somebody always willing to help. You just have to return the favor. Yeah. Where do you see yourself going in 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 five years in the ATV world? Do you Do you want to get to the pro class? Do you think that you can get to the pro class? And you also have to take into consideration your personal life with where you want to go in law and law enforcement.
1: Yeah, so I just got asked this question a couple of weeks ago and I think what I'm going to do with racing is race a couple more years and then between like 21 to maybe 23 22 take a little break and focus on being a cop since 21 is going to be a crazy year with going through the academy, which is one of the stressful things about law enforcement. And then obviously field training, which is another huge thing. And I think that I definitely need to focus on being a cop the first couple years and not risk getting hurt racing and have that opportunity instead of taking that risk and hurting myself if I'm in the academy or something like that to push back my goals with being a law enforcement officer.
0: Yeah. You could, you could change your career in a heartbeat. You break a leg or an arm collarbone. Yeah. Not be able to train and they drop you right then and you have to reapply and start all over again.
1: Yeah. That's, that's one thing I definitely don't want to happen because I know a few people that we're riding and racing before or during the academy and got hurt and had to drop out and wait a while. And I don't want to go through that.
0: Well, as long as you're smart and stay focused, I think you'll be okay. You know, keep your training up, keep your nose to the grindstone and, and and don't make any mistakes. You know, I, I, I you know, crashing's going to happen, you know, especially yeah. um, where do you think, uh, the atv industry is right now i know you're young i know you haven't been around a long time but from your perspective do you see growth do you see it not growing
1: if i'm being honest i think i think the atv world is decreasing by a lot because like even when i first started I act like it was a long time ago, but really only two years ago. When I first started racing, I felt like there was quite a few people racing quads, not even just for works, but in other series and stuff. But now, like, I feel like quads are definitely starting to lose their ground against dirt bikes or side-by-sides or something like that.
0: It's expensive to race a quad. You know,
1: you you, you
0: have to step up and, and, you know, really commit to it and really committing to it is a big, big financial undertaking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that's, that's part of the reason why most people kind of not, I not really drop out of quads, but have a big factor to do with it.
0: Running a pro class, you're investing a large sum of money. Uh, to build machines that can race at that level, not only are you investing a large sum of money, but with your time and all the effort and everything, it can consume your whole house
1: yeah, just even the first the first year is definitely the definitely the toughest part getting getting ready, getting the quad ready, even it was already. It already had shocks, it already had arms, it already had an exhaust, stuff like that. So I didn't have to do that, but it sat for a while, so we had to get rebuilt. We had to do silly stuff like that and change a few things that I kind of wanted and felt like what I was comfortable with. So,
0: Well, it's it's what it is, your comfort matters on that machine you know, because you're the one that's going to go out there and spend 50 minutes to 60 minutes on it in a moto and you need to feel safe and strong and, and be able to keep it under control.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you have to be comfortable because I had to race the, my backup quad in a few races this year and we just got it. So I didn't really have much time on it. And After that, I was like, I need to ride both. I need to get comfortable on both just in case if this happens again.
0: Pretty much. But you know, you always keep your race bike for a race bike and your practice bike for a practice bike, you know, just shake your race bike down. The race bike should almost be the machine that you finish that last 10 or 15 minute moto, shaking it down before you go to the races, wash it, you know, wipe it down, do whatever you got to do, get it in the truck or the trailer. And and head to the races, and then you take your practice bike and and do a prep on it in case you need it, uh, or the backup purposes at the at the race, and and go from there. You know, and then you only get on your practice bike at the races if you have a problem with your race machine.
1: Yeah, like no, before Glen Helen this year, I rode the race bike maybe ten minutes, and tore it right back down and made sure was, everything was greased that needed to be greased and every bolt and everything was torqued and everything was perfect and then ended up having no issues at Glen Helen so my prep must be doing something right.
0: That's good that's really good make sure you get a service manual because it gives you all the torque specs to teach you yep. how to work on it so that's a good thing. Yeah I'm, I, I'm really glad when that, I first go ahead, I'm sorry
1: um, when I first started writing or racing them 450, that first thing I did is I printed out the service manual and put it in a binder and it sit in my toolbox. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: most people, most people run away from them. No, you, that, that's great. You got to have that service manual. You got to have a torque wrench. You know, you got to know how to use them. You know, it's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, you also focus in the books and focus on some things that other young people do not always, they're playing video games or on their phone.
1: So. Yeah, no, I've definitely noticed that. Like most people, oh, like you don't, you don't prep your bikes. You don't, um, I prep my own bikes because I feel like if I don't, then my confidence isn't a hundred percent there. I start second guessing myself like, oh crap, did he do that? But if I do it, I know for a fact that it's done and done the way I'd like it to.
0: Very important. Very important. You know, at some point as you move up the ladder, you'll get into where there's, you'll need a mechanic or you'll need an aide, you know, somebody to help you. And, and you just make sure you pick the right person that's, that you can believe in their philosophy and how they do things and, and make sure that they get you on the track and get you safe.
1: Yeah, I I definitely like I've had a few people like, hey, like, can you pay me to work on your stuff? I'm like, no. Like I'm not pro. I like working on my own stuff. I enjoy it. I, I like it. I'm gonna stick to that.
0: For for now, I agree with you. you know, yeah. You need to, you need to have you need to have some knowledge at it so that if you ever do get a race mechanic, you can ask him questions and understand how much he knows or doesn't know and decide if that's the right individual for you.
1: Yeah, and like personally I enjoy working on it. Like even like at the shop because I don't work on it at home. We have a shop and we do everything out of there. So it definitely makes it easy. But like if I need help, obviously like I'll ask my stepdad or I'll ask my stepdad's dad or something like that, because he was a mechanic for one of the local Um, motorcycle shops in vegas and i enjoy like the connection not only like working with like my stepdad or someone like that on the bike but also the connection i feel like you get working on the bike
0: yeah you have a connection with your machine you know and then yeah and i you you have a Trust me, I'm a professional mechanic and, and I get it. You, when you build a machine and you're involved with it there, that is a relationship. You know, when the bolts don't go together, right. Or the, or the, it's just not, it's just not going together. Right. You have to take her back apart, start over with a better frame of mind and put her together. Right. Because if you don't, she's not going to treat you right out on the track.
1: No, that she will not
0: exactly and the last thing i want to do is have one of my guys get thrown on the ground because i didn't put her together right yeah <laughs> you ever watch that movie days of thunder
1: uh, i think
0: it's an I old think a while back it's an old tom cruise movie and yeah robert duvall is sitting there on the stool talking to the car and there's a puddle of coolant under it you know, and he says, you know, that basically, you know, that's not the sign I was looking for and they have to change a motor and do some other stuff. Uh, and, and that's kind of, that's kind of true. You, you, you do, I do talk to them as I put them together and, 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 you know, and make sure that they're, if they go together good, you know, you know that, you know that you're going to have a good race. I've had some go together really tough and, and make me earn every penny you know uh, the blood sweat and tears just to get it around the course
1: yeah like before glenn helen since i didn't race any time before that with the crash and injury and all that i had more than enough time to do everything i wanted to before mesquite but obviously didn't race so i had even more time and i went through literally every single thing I possibly could to make sure it's perfect for Glen Helen and at Glen Helen, everyone else was having issues with either silly stuff or blunt motors. And then I didn't have to touch touch a wrench the whole weekend. And I was like, dang, like those times are the times that make me appreciate me working on it and having that comfortability and confidence in the machine I ride and race and work on. That's a good philosophy.
0: And it'll pay off in the long run. Tristan, I really appreciate you taking some time with ATV Talk. I think your story is going to um, mean a lot of things to a lot of people, and uh, I can't wait to get it out there for them to hear it. Uh, we'll be in touch. Um, you stay focused and uh, keep the uh, keep the lines of communication open because I'm going to want progress reports on how things are going for you, how your racing's going, how your your training's going for becoming a police officer, and. Uh, I just want to keep tabs with you.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely interested to keep talking, and definitely appreciate the phone call and texts and getting me on the show because I've always wanted to do one. But I was like, yeah, I'm like let it come and I'm thankful for this opportunity and thankful to be on the show.
0: Well, you're a young man that I think is is choosing a path in life that is, uh, like I said, admirable, and I'm really touched by your story and it means a lot to me because I think that there's not enough people, not enough young people. Uh, striving for better in this world. And I believe you are. And that's why I had you on. And that's why um, we're going to continue the relationship, I hope, and and uh, get you back at some point so that we can get an update and uh, see how you're doing.
1: Yeah, sounds good to me. And like I said, thank you guys for getting me on the show and letting me give my side of the story on my goals and my future. All right, brother. You have a great night. Tell your mom and dad I said thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Have a great day.
0: The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at atvtalkpodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Teams, Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. san diego's body evolution wellness center with over 17 years experience dr heidi looking after all your chiropractic needs and coach pj looking after your fitness needs visit our website www.bodyevolutions.org or call for an appointment 858-571-0160 duncan technologies
1: international